You are making the world a better place by listening to the Joy of Living podcast. This is your guide to achieving a more purposeful, powerful, and positive life. Join Barry Shore in unlocking the best version of you and becoming happier, healthier, and wealthier. And now, here's your ambassador of joy, Barry Shore. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Yeah, but you're good-looking, because you're always looking for and finding the good. That's the definition of a good-looking person, always looking for and finding the good, and you have found good in abundance, because you have chosen to use your most valuable asset, your time, to tune into the Joy of Living podcast with your humble host, Barry Shore, because you know in this show, we discuss the three fundamentals of life, and we utilize these three fundamentals of life, you will be happier, healthier, and wealthier. I guarantee it. The three fundamentals, of course, are number one, life. Your life has purpose. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, number two happens. In this case, a good number two, you go mad. Now, MAD is a wonderful acronym that stands for Make a Difference. Lead a purpose-driven life, you make a difference in the world. And the third fundamental is to unlock the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms. Simple example, right now, this show is being carried around the world, and there are approximately 348,613 people listening everywhere in the world. So you're tuned in to because you care the most in the entire world about one person, you. And that's great, by the way, because when you become the best you, you make the world a better place. You build more bridges of harmony, and you create more joy, happiness, peace, and love in the world. So if you ask anybody, what does WWW stand for? Invariably, it has to do with the internet. Now, factually speaking, they're correct. However, in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, WWW stands for what a wonderful world. <laughs> and of course, a tip of the hat and a big thank you to Louis Armstrong Satchmo for enabling that song, What a Wonderful World, to go viral and not just touch tens of millions or hundreds of millions, but billions of people around the planet. Because when you hear the opening bars of What a Wonderful World, what do you do right away? You can't help it. You smile. Now, smile is one of the most important words you could ever internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life because smile stands for seeing miracles in life every day. That's right, seeing miracles in life every day. Now, recently I was I did an in-person uh, show, webinar, and we had 1,172 people in the audience. I'm telling the story about Barry Shaw. I'm talking about seeing miracles in life every day, and people invariably raise their hands and say, hey, Barry Shaw, Barry Shaw, I've been up for hours already. I haven't seen any miracles. And I asked them, are you here? Can you hear? Can you stand still? I can't do that. Can you walk? I can barely do that. Do you have water to drink? Do you have food to eat? Do you have a place to sleep? Do you have family or friends? Every single one of those is a miracle. And what's the proof? Simple proof. A million people didn't get out of bed this morning. You know why? They died. By definition, if you're watching or listening, you didn't. Therefore, you have an obligation to live life to the full. Let me tell you a quick story. It's about me. Imagine, if you can, standing up in the morning, completely healthy, hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound, and that evening being in the hospital, totally, completely paralyzed from the neck down. 
It was not an automobile accident. It wasn't a spinal injury. It was a rare disease, which I never heard of the day before, took over my body and rendered me a quadriplegic. Quadriplegic means I was paralyzed from the neck down. Nothing about him on my body moved. I could only communicate by blinking my eyes. I was 144 days in the hospital. I was two years in a hospital bed in my own home, but couldn't turn over by myself. Four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on both my legs, my hips, my ankles. And that was progress. Thank God today I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking wand. So I'm a tripod, not a biped. I can't walk up a stair by myself. I can't walk up a curb by myself. I've helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice. Positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant, all because of one word. Smile. Seeing miracles in life every day. I'll tell you a quick story, <laughs> fun. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me the other day. She says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile S-M-I-E-L? I thought about smile. Smile sounds the same. Why not? I asked her, how come? She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. Out of the mouth of an eight-year-old. But what was she doing? She was creating the kind of world that she wants to live in. Now, CREATE is a great acronym that stands for Causing Rethinking, Enabling All to Excel. And you're going to be excelling and rethinking today with our amazing guest, wonderful Julie Hartman, in just a couple more minutes. Uh, It's really something special. Now, rethinking really means a shift in perspective. Now, I have to tell you, I've been working with people for more than 42 years. And 97.2% of people, when I talk about shift in perspective, they drop the F and shift and the other stuff happens. You have to be careful with your Fs. You want to shift your perspective, just a small, tiny, tiny amount. And then what will happen? The six most important words you'll ever utilize, internalize, leverage will be yours. And they are choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Choice, not chance, determines to your path in life and your trajectory. So before we bring on Julie, I want to warn her in advance and our new listeners, and thank you for recommending to your family and friends. So we'll have, thank God, by the time she comes on, over 360,000 people listening and keep recommending us to at least five people every time and rate the podcast. We love it. We appreciate it. I do want to warn warn everybody, we use four-letter words. Now, of course, the four-letter words that we use, because we live in the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant are love, life, hope, free, gift, play, pray, swim. I even use the four-letter F-U word because of the shock value when it's fun. And the four-letter F-U word is fun. Fun. Very sure. Fun's only spelled with three letters. Not in our world. The world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. It's F-U, capital N, capital N. So after the show, when you see your family and friends, you have a twinkle in the eye, a smile on your face. Remember that stance. So I point your fingers at F-U, everybody. But remember to add capital N, capital N. So where'd you get that? Well, I listened to Barry Shore and the joy of living, and he wants to teach the world to F-U, capital N, capital N. So I'm urging now, before we bring on Amazing Julie, that you utilize the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day from now and the rest of your life, because they'll make you happier, healthier, and healthier, and wealthier. What are these two words? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan, so to harmonize and nurture kindness, to harmonize and nurture kindness. Imagine you walk into your coffee shop, order your fancy latte, you sit down, and uh, somebody brings it to you. You say, thank you, of course. You go into the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte, a couple of minutes go by, and nobody brings you, say, 
go to the conference. I'm sorry, we forgot. We're busy. We'll bring it. Sit down. Another minute goes by. Somebody brings it. Say, thank you. You walk out of the coffee shop. It's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you. Say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop. It's raining out. Somebody slams the door on you. You say, thank you. You're in traffic. You're late for an appointment. Somebody cuts you off. You say, thank you. You get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you to harmonize and nurture kindness. Kind is an amazing acronym that stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. I can't think of anybody, anybody that I want to share with you that inspires noble deeds more than the wonderful, indubitable, indomitable Julie Hartman. Julie, please say hello to 366,823 people around the world. Well, hello, everyone. And apropos of your introduction, thank you, Mary, <laughs> for having me on. I told you this before the the interview, but you, more than anyone I know, really succeed at your vocation. Because every time I talk with you, I listen to you, I text with you, you immediately make me more joyful. So thank you. Thank you. Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye, and live life to the full. So uh, everybody get ready. Julie Hartman is going to be in your life now. It's going to make a difference. And by the way, just so everybody knows, don't have to write anything down. Just sit back and let the experience come over you because everything you want to know about Julie is going to be on the website. Just go to barryshore.com, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, barryshore.com. Everything about Julie is there. There's a lot there. So you're going to want to lean in and listen and just experience it. Uh, if I start reading everything about Julie, it will take the rest of the show. So I'm just going to tell you a few data points that are so important. Um, we don't like to talk about woman's age. However, in this case, we do. At the moment, she's 24. But part of what I want to share with you is the following. And just, just a couple of years ago, as an open-minded 22-year-old graduate of Harvard, and that's actually in the news these days, you can't be in the world and not hear about Harvard, because I was born in Boston, raised in Brookline, Harvard. Uh, see, I can do it naturally. Julie became a conservative Okay, we'll discuss that after discovering Dennis Prager's radio show. So if you don't know about Dennis Prager, again, everything will be in the, in the notes on my website. After reaching out to Dennis and expressing her appreciation, she said, thank you. A friendship was born that became a mentorship. Very important. Everybody in the world, we've talked about this before, needs a mentor. You really want to reach out and make someone a mentor and work with that person. Then Dennis invited her as a guest on his radio show. Hello, bright, articulate, capable, and moving from one place to the, the other place. Julie now appeared as a weekly on-air contributor to his nationally syndicated radio program. Well, that's pretty awesome and cool, K-E-W-L. At the age of 21, this is really wonderful. Stuff happens when you're in the arena. We'll talk about that in a little bit. When you're out there doing things, not sitting back, not saying, gee, maybe I will, doing things. At the age of 21, Julie guest hosted three-hour broadcasts for Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher. If you don't know Mike Gallagher, you're going to learn about him when you see the show notes. A great guy also. He, thus, far, thus, she became the youngest person in history to substitute host, solo substitute host on a national program. 
In addition, of course, thank God, she has her own show called Timeless, which we'll be discussing. And there, Julie explores her views on life, politics, and current events. So uh, without further ado, as usually said in theater, we welcome this amazing being, Julie Hartman. I'm going to just jump right in on something to discuss that is non-political at the moment, uh, because I am truly interested and curious. Wonderful Julie. You grew up in the Los Angeles area. Am I correct? Los Angeles, California area. You're correct, yes. Okay. And I will presume for the moment that in your household, it was um, neither far left nor far right. It was uh, just a regular, nice household, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. And you went to a good school and you excelled. And then when you're now deciding to go to college, you apply to several places. Now, you could have applied to Berkeley, UCLA, um, but you also chose, as part of your choices of maybe go to school, uh, an amazing school in the East Coast that is now almost 400 years old. <laughs> it's amazing to say that. Um, and it's Harvard, H-A-R-V-I-R-D. Again, if you don't know about Harvard today, you certainly do because you can't be living in the world and not know what's going on with Harvard. But again, I was raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, I can say it honestly, it's Harvard. So you applied to a number of different schools. And what it was Harvard? It wasn't your only school, I'm, I'm presumed. It actually was, if I may cut in. I applied early decision to Harvard, and I was fortunate enough to get in. So I didn't have to apply to other schools, but I had them all ready to go in case okay. I got dinged. So that's why I wanted to explore the process. So early decision means even before you graduated high school, right? Yes. Okay. You applied to Harvard, early decision. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're not watching this, I can tell you, um, Julie is white. No, she's not white. White is an albino. She's Caucasian. <laughs> okay. She is a woman. She's blonde. She's beautiful. So she has a number of strikes against her, you would think, to get into <laughs> Harvard these days, even though in the past few years. and yet. Something must have been, obviously, her SATs, her essay, whatever it was, she gets accepted. I want to go to the day, you, I'm sure you remember, you, the day that you received your acceptance letter to Harvard. What did it feel like? My answer may disappoint you, Barry, but I can't lie to you. I, I have to be honest. I Well, first of all, I had taken two uh, midterms that morning, one in AP calculus and one in AP art history. So I, I was dazed and confused by the time 4 p.m. rolled around. And when I got in and saw that acceptance letter, I was so grateful. I was excited. But I can't say that I felt this like jump for joy feeling. And again, that's kind of hard to acknowledge because it makes me sound like I I wasn't grateful for, for getting in. It makes me sound like kind of a, a robot, like, like, or a, a, someone devoid of, of any kind of, um, you know, sense of feeling for life. Like, are you telling me you get into Harvard and you're not jumping up and down? But I think what it was, was that I worked so hard to get into that college. I mean, so much so to the point where I didn't have a life. My whole life was studying, swimming, playing water polo. You have to do extraordinary things. You have to work incredibly hard in order to get into these institutions because the acceptance rate is like 3%. And so I think when I got in, 
apropos of, of our discussion here today, a lot of the joy of life, the joy of studying, the joy of playing sports was kind of sucked out of me. And I did it all to get into this university. And I think in that moment, I it, it made an impression on me that I didn't feel as ecstatic as I expected to. And I realized, okay, you know what? You've worked really hard, but now you've got to steer your life less for the attainment of accomplishments and more for the attainment of meaning and joy. That is a fabulous segue. I want to urge everybody to hear something. And that is the acronym that we use for JOY. JOY stands for Journey of You. Mm. Isn't that great? It is and that's, great. And that's why I'm asking this, because I'm thinking about the journey of you. I want to unpack a couple of things you said. Um, so fascinating, because I am uh, chronologically 75 uh, metabolically, I'm 48 because I swim two miles a day, six days a week. My mental acuity is 28 because I hang around with 20-year-old people in the world. And my SOW is eight. You might say, Barry, I love you. What's your SOW? You're not a sow. What are you so? SOW stands for sense of wonder. I'm an eight-year-old. Hmm. So th that's a nice thing. Well, I want to unpack a couple of things that you said. And that is meaning. I call it a map, which means meaning and purpose. And I find that it's um, an issue that of a lot of people that I inter interact with in their 18, 20, 22, 24, etc. They're not finding or they're not able to articulate to me when I ask them about meaning and purpose. And I want to discuss that with you in light of the three-letter word G-O-D. Hmm. Now, because and I'm going to make a funny thing here. In America today, it's the opposite. D-O-G is what happens in many families. Dogs seem to be more important today to most people in their families than G-O-D. So I want to go from one other point. When I, the, the year that I was graduated high school, I think it was, yeah, that year or the year before, was the first year of AP classes. <laughs> It goes back decades. Wow. My only AP that I took was AP history. So I, I can have, I, I have an affinity for that. But to take AP calculus also. Oh, my gosh. It was like one of four APs I was I was taking. I, every year I loaded up on them, which is I mean, just It's amazing because that crazy. means when you went into your first year of university, you already had a number of credits, college credits under your belt. In other words, you went in as, well, that's the way we used to do it. I went into university and I had half a year freshman credits already granted to me. So I don't know if they do that anymore. But the other reason I love Julie is because she swims. And we'll, we'll talk about some <laughs> water polo, fine, but swim. Okay. So let's talk about you entering Harvard. You didn't enter Harvard as a conservative. You yeah. entered Harvard as a an a basic, I call this, basic Jewish overachiever. You know, you were focused on stuff and you had that that vision, you want to do it. I'm getting into Harvard and this, I'm just giving everything I have. So now you're at the university and let's be blunt, you're surrounded by, if at on one level, liberal people and oftentimes very left-leaning people because the America of today is not the America of Barry Shore, and it has certain gaps. One of them I'll call a disdain 
this is my word, a disdain for the idea of God. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm asking you to speak about that. Well, first of all, I have to cut in and, and say I'm not Jewish. I was actually baptized um, in the Catholic Church, but my family was pretty a-religious. They, um, I say that they taught me Judeo-Christian values without packaging it as Judeo-Christian values. But um, I, I really didn't grow up uh, religious, but I'm not Jewish. Although my, the I read the Torah so much because. As you oh, know, Dennis, right? <laughs> my co-host Dennis Prager is a very prominent Jewish thinker, and he's written Torah commentaries and a book called "Why the Jews." So I read the Torah so much that you may be able to call me Julie, J E W L I E. <laughs> See, wait a minute. That's also another reason why I love this. By the way, when I mentioned that a basic Jewish overachiever, it was just sort of a ramble of because that's what happens with a lot of people. You know, the it's the the Jewish experience of just going out there and grabbing, especially in the field of education. So thank you. Yes. So now you grew up as non, nothing particularly observant in the, in the faith in Catholic and Catholicism, aside from the values, that's the key. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was re really thanks to Dennis Prager that I discovered God and took God seriously. You were saying that at these universities and all around the country, there's a God-shaped hole in our lives. And I would go even further to say that, especially on college campuses, not only is God not present, but God is disparaged and ridiculed. You know, there's this idea, well, the, the Bible is an old, antiquated, oppressive, cis-heteronormative, stupid book. What do I have to learn from it? It was written thousands of years ago. What does it really say that's you know relevant to my life and that's not coded in, in bigotry? And it was thanks to Dennis and his incredible Torah commentary that I discovered how important these values are. And as a result, I am a better, happier, more joyful, more principled person. And so I view part of my vocation in life as being kind of a better sales force than the people who preceded me with the exception of Dennis. He is, he's like the top God salesman, but being a better sales force for God. Because well, okay. I want to do some, this is so wondrous. Uh, people are on the edge of their seat. This is around the world because most okay. of the people that listen to this are in your age group and, um, and they're leaning in from countries around the world where God is not in the public square or even in their private life. But right now we're going to go and have a brief break because we have sponsors that love us. We vet them and we wouldn't urge you to patronize them if we didn't love them also. So we're going to take a brief break. We'll be back with more of Julie Joyous. Julie, just after this brief break, don't go away. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, everybody. You know me, Barry Shore, and you know my story. Standing up in the morning, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound that night, being in the hospital, totally, completely paralyzed. Talk about a change of life. I was faced with lots of issues, difficulties, paths forward, if there was to be one. And I'm here to tell you that finding advice from professional people makes all the difference, certainly in my life. And I would urge everybody to consider doing so in your life. And if you've ever had the opportunity 
to find someone or some two people that are really matched up with you, then you know it makes a difference. I urge you to consider using BetterHelp. BetterHelp, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill in a brief questionnaire, I've done it, to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. This is your opportunity to make a difference and become the best you possible. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash joy of living today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash joy of living. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash joy of living. Best wishes. Bye now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings, and good-looking people. Maybe you're good-looking, because you're always looking for and finding the good. Good in abundance, our cup runneth over with good. Wonderful Julie, uh, what happened? Did we lose you? Oh, no, oh. I'm here. I was just oh, brushing good. my hair. <laughs> I didn't want you to see me that I was brushing my hair. <laughs> I'm said, here. Our cup runneth over with good. So you just described two things that I want to uh, talk about more because we are in a an inflection point in the United States of America, right. which I am deeply devoted to, the United States of America. It's a country that was founded on ideals. There's no country in the history of the world, maybe aside from Israel, and leave that, put that aside for the moment, that was founded on principles. Now, of course, the principles that America was founded on are Judeo-Christian principles, again, much like the Israel experience. And the founders and subsequent generations embraced that, even if they didn't have to be going to church every week or the synagogue or wherever. It was more about the principles and the ideals, even though, let's be blunt, that the human beings you're dealing with. So the, the process of getting through slavery and all kinds of things in America. But America is not a country of oppression. It's a country of opportunity. So I'd like you, if you'd be so kind, what was it like being at Harvard and being in the process of becoming far more capable of a spokesperson for God and a spokesperson to make people wake up from wokeism? Well, Barry, it happened at a very interesting time because I was a sophomore in college when I had what I call my awakening. I feel like when I discovered God and I discovered the beauty and magnificence of the United States of America, the universality of American Judeo-Christian values, I feel like it was like I was in a dark room and the light switch was turned on. It was that profound. So that's why I call it my, my awakening, which sounds dramatic, but it's not. I was a sophomore and I was at home in Los Angeles because we had been sent home due to COVID lockdowns. So I was not on campus. And I think that was a big, you know, it's interesting, you, you know this better than anyone, how life works, that sometimes the difficult things that happen to you can facilitate really 
positive things happening to you. And I was sent home and that was extremely difficult, but it made me question things around me and go, huh, I'm 20 years old. Why are they sending me home when COVID, there's no evidence that COVID is killing people my age, you know, to, to large extents. Why, you know, why are so many people also, this was the, the Black Lives Matter moment. This was the this was the aftermath of the death of George Floyd and all these cities were burning and all over the country. And I was looking at my social media and seeing that, you know, I have to do these Maoist self-criticism sessions for my white privilege. And I was seeing- I'm sorry, you actually had to? <laughs> well, I was being demanded, uh, you know, people were posting on Instagram that you have to like purge your white privilege. It is crazy. Classmates were, were writing this. And I saw people who I really respected succumbing to these insane ideas like defunding the police. And and so I had that moment where I woke up, I got connected with Dennis Prager and immediately, Barry, I was public. I went on his show and I started speaking. He, he was kind enough to give me a national forum to do so. I wrote, when I was a senior, I wrote a Wall Street Journal article. Um, I, I gave a senior speech, which got uh, between two videos, close to a million views. And so I was really public with this. And so to, to answer your question, what was it like? It was really hard because I lost a lot of friends. I had a lot of people give me a hard time, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because being in an environment like that and speaking for what is true and good, you force yourself to get a tough skin and you are guided by principles, not by popularity. So I, I count it as an immense blessing that, that I, again, from so early on was public and had to face that challenge. I want to unpack something you just said, because it, it is, uh, it penetrated guided by principles rather than popularity. I should write I that down. A, I got to say, it was <laughs> that great. was good. Right. <laughs> that should be a bumper sticker. Uh, yeah. And, no, the, the, I'm saying, I think it should be a um, a subset of timeless, guided by principles rather than popularity. And it is part of the human condition, especially with people 18 to 24, 25, because the demands of social media that, uh, you know, I have 17,000 likes. Well, about 70,000, don't you know? I have 183,000. What does that mean? Because if you can lose friends because of you making a, a principled stance, you recognize two things immediately, which is very hard, by the way, for most human beings. I don't care what your age is. Well, what is a friend? In my book, which people can get for no cost by going to barryshore.com forward slash ebook and the joy of living. I talk about the genius of friendship and it was given to me by one of my dear friends, father, many decades ago. He said, if you can count your friends on your thumbs, you're doing well. Mm. So it was a guiding principle for me. Not easy all the time. Let's be blunt because friends are amazing. Family even more so. I want to do a gentle shift with you beautiful, wonderful Julie, and and speak about your family a little bit because I am privileged to know something, and I wonder if you'd be willing to share it and talk about your older sister and what it means to be in a household with an older sibling who you really can't be that friendly with other than you recognize this as your sister because there's a, a difficulty in understanding life. 
I'm yes. saying it in a unique way. Yes. By the way, I will talk about anything with you. A, because you bring it out in me, Barry. You're so you're so <laughs> friendly and, and welcoming. I feel comfortable talking about anything. And B, because I'm an open book. And I, like you, want to kind of bear all. Not not all, but most. Yeah, right. Most <laughs> of everything. Actually, that's a good pun because it's B-E-A-R, bear all. And B-A-R-E is to open the kimono to an extent. Yes. You know, something underneath. But yes, because it's, it's a it's a be a little religious it's a good cross to bear b-a-r and it's uh and to open up is a is a positive purposeful powerful pleasant experience so please tell us about family yes so i have two older sisters one of them is 33 married lives in new york city and the second oldest is 32 and she she was the sister who uh, you were referring to and she has severe autism she lives in a group home near my parents house in los angeles and growing up with her uh she she lived as uh growing up until i was eight years old but when i was eight and she was 16 because she's eight years older than i am uh, she had to go to um, an institution in Massachusetts to get more intensive care because she became very violent. Um, you know, she she was hitting puberty. She's very severe autism. She can't, you know, she, she can't communicate very well. And I was this boisterous, bombastic eight-year-old kid running around <laughs> wanting to talk to everyone and yell. And I was... I was loud and, you know, she, she probably wanted to say to me, be quiet, you're annoying me, but she doesn't have the tools to express that. So to, to make a long story short, she had to go uh, away when I was eight years old. And then she came back and was in all of these group homes and her care in many of these group homes was, was very, very bad. Um, government run group homes for, for people who have autism, the elderly, it's a real issue. And uh, we, we would have to, take many podcasts to explore that. But as far as what having her in my life has taught me, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about God. The kind of through line of this conversation is, is God, knowing God, loving God, appreciating God. I feel that when I, everything that Gina teaches me, God teaches me. The closer I get to Gina, the closer I feel to God. That's my sister's name, Gina, because she is such a deeply loving, magnanimous person. It doesn't always come through because she is so challenged, but she really gives unconditional love. She doesn't care if you're rich. She doesn't care if you're pretty. She doesn't care if you're athletic. She doesn't give a bleep about any of that. If you're nice to her and you're a good person, she will treat you kindly. And she is. She doesn't care about your race. She doesn't care. None of that. She teach, She shows unconditional love. She challenges me. Sometimes the things that she does, I don't quite understand. I don't know why she's doing it, but I view it as an opportunity to transform myself and better myself. She teaches me patience. She teaches me restraint, resilience, all of the things that God teaches you. This wonderful sister in my life teaches me on a daily basis how lucky I am to have that. So I have mentioned to everybody, if you're watching this, you can see it. And if you're just listening, I will tell you, Julie Hartman is a very good looking person. Um, not this morning, Mary. One second, one second, because why? She just told us she's always looking for and finding the good. 
the essence of God, by the way, God is an interesting made-up name in English, and the root of the word God is good, because that's what God is. And that's what Gina provides you. Um, I'm going to ask, I I think I know the answer, but she does recognize you as her sister, whatever that means. Definitely. She can speak, but her language is very limited. So I I think I've mentioned to you on a previous occasion, uh, I have two younger sisters who I love dearly. One is a year and a half younger. The other is five years younger. And my sister is five years younger, has four daughters, an older one, the youngest one, and twins in the middle. And the twins are both autistic, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is very unusual to have twins, t- siblings that are autistic. Right. They, they have now after years of work, they're what they call high-functioning autistic. Uh, and, but as you know, they get very focused on one thing. <laughs> this is what they do. One of them is actually now a, um, she competes nationally in dressage, which is a very fancy way of doing horse work with this small woman with this huge horse and they get gets on and and she's just so focused and capable that she can make the horse do things that yeah. it's amazing. And she actually competes with other people, not on in quotation marks, handicapped people just competes and she wins sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. she gets second place, third place, whatever. So the ability for you're right for people to learn from people that have issues, we call them. Now, what about your older, your oldest sister? Because you're nine years apart, which is an, that's enough of a gap to almost be there and not there. Right. Yes. She's she's nine years older. As I said, she's living in New York and um, married. So happy for her. And uh, I, I don't see her very often. But when I do, it's so it's so fun. We talk about like in some ways she's kind of an aunt. She's kind of a cousin. She's kind of like a second mom because of the age gap. But I just. I just view this as a blessing, you know. And the, she sees your journey, your joy, journey of you in a positive light. In other words, she she may doesn't have to be the same, but I'm just saying she is seeing that your path has been remarkable. You're you're asking, does she does she see that? Yes. Yes. Oh, she's so supportive. I'm blessed. I have, I have really supportive uh, family members. She doesn't always agree with me on everything that I say and do specifically my politics, but she supports and cheers on my right to do it. Right. We're not looking all the time for people to be, you know, pouring baby oil on us. If they disagree, they disagree. That's fine. As long as you're principled in your disagreement, that's really what we care about. We love principled people, not people that just shriek and say, well, you're wrong. (laughs) Whatever. How could you hold that? Come on. Okay. This is, this is wonderful. Uh, I want to go to something that intrigued me uh, because I asked for it and you were willing to share it with you, with us that, one of your favorite books is Viktor Frankl's uh, book on on life and purpose, and it's really fascinating because uh, you re- you reference two quotes from Viktor Frankl, but the one I want to focus on is not. It's Theodore Roosevelt, mm. <laughs> because he was a bully pulpit person. And out there, one of the most interesting 
challenged people. And I think you know this when he was much younger, he was as so asthmatic, they could barely function. And he determined in his mind to overcome it with vigorous outdoor stuff and, and to learn how to do certain things. And um, he penned one of the most interesting, thoughtful insights into how to live. So would you be willing to share that with everybody? Yes, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know if I can quote it exactly. You don't have to quote it exactly, but what is it? What is that that Theodore Roosevelt wrote that that intrigued you? Sure, sure. Well, he has this this quote uh, called, it's colloquially known as the man in the arena quote. And it the, the central point is, if you are in the arena in life, if you are putting yourself out there, as he says in the quote, mired in dust and dirt and sweat, there's something like that. Like, you know, even if you are failing and swinging away, you are living life and doing it right as long as you are putting yourself out there. And he references the poor and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. And I love that because again, you know, I was telling you about the really just insane things that I did with my life to get into Harvard. There are so many of us who are in that kind of Ivy League industrial complex, trying to get into these schools. Once we're at these schools, we're trying to get the best grades. We're trying to get into law school or business school or go to Goldman Sachs or make you know a lot of money and start our hedge fund. And, blah, blah, blah. and we're so focused on like being perfect and never failing and kind of being these robots. And I loved the Theodore Roosevelt quote because it just punctured through that. And it was like, no, live life in the arena. Go out there, take risks. Don't be afraid to fail. Do it because that will lead to a better, more principled, happier, more meaningful life than if you just kind of are an excellent sheep as that one author whose name I'm conveniently forgetting <laughs> called it. Do you know that book, Excellent Sheep? It's a great yeah. book. Let me look up quickly. Who was it? Um, By the way, just the fact that it exists as a book, excellent sheep, because you mentioned the Ivy League industrial complex. Yes. And often, unfortunately, what we're seeing now is that the Ivy League industrial complex can produce people who cannot even say the word yes when asked do actions happening now on universities which threaten certain students, students, Jewish students at this moment, threaten their lives, threaten their very being, and calling for the killing and genocide of Jews, does that not uh, go against the standards of Harvard or MIT or Penn? And the presidents of those institutions couldn't even say a three-letter word. I yes. know it. It is beyond sickening. By the way, the the author is William Derisowitz, D-E-R-E-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z. He was a Yale um, admissions officer, and he writes this book about ec excellent sheep, the kinds of people and what they, again, the kind of uh, diminished robotic life that we consign ourselves to in order to get in and maintain our you know personal and professional status in these universities. But I'll say one final thing about the t Teddy quote. You know, I launched my show Timeless a year ago, and I started my show with Dennis a year and a half ago. I was actually in my dorm room, Barry, at Harvard. <laughs> doing Wait a minute. This that show is, that, that's, yeah, that, that's why this is so wondrous. 
a woman in her dorm room in Harvard <laughs> launches is on a national show talking to millions of people around the world about principles over popularity. I'm making yes. that up. Yes. I mean, so funny. Whenever I'd like log on to be with Dennis, I throw all my stuff in my dorm in the <laughs> to the side and kick over my laundry. But, you know, that was hard. I mean, it's hard to put, even if you're talking about the most, you know, politically neutral thing, it's hard to go on national radio and put yourself out there. But I, I was talking about controversial things, things that people, you know, disapproved of. And there were times when I got down on myself. There were times when I thought you didn't say that question quite right. People are going to hate you for saying this. You're going to lose friends. What are you doing? Why don't you just become a lawyer? Like, why are you taking this path in life? Why are you making it hard for yourself? Putting, putting your face on the internet is not an easy thing. And I kept going back to that man in the arena quote, I don't want to live my life on the sidelines. I want to be in the arena. And even if I mess up sometimes, even if I fail, that is the life I want as opposed to a diminished life. I, I love the, the verbiage here. The choice between living exuberantly and a diminished life. Mm -hmm. I mean, on some level, if you're actually given the opportunity, why would anybody choose a diminished life? And I think part of the issue is, wonderful Julie, and especially thinking about the people in the Ivy League industrial complex, is they oftentimes are never given an opportunity to choose, to even think right. about it. And Be by the way, I just want to make one thing clear. I made a lot of friends at Harvard and I had a great time. I mean, yes, it was hard being sent home due to lockdowns. It was hard sometimes being open about my beliefs, but as difficult as those things were, I have friends for life from that place. I had, I, I really did. And I, the amount of opportunities and experiences that I had, I got to go to Israel my senior year on a trip. It cost me $400, but the much takes you to Israel. If you apply <laughs> and write an essay, they took a hundred non-Jews and it was the most extraordinary trip. And none of that would, would have been possible without Harvard. So I just, I, I want to be fair. And I want to make that point that there are great people at these universities, despite all of the, the stuff that we're seeing. And there are wonderful, wonderful opportunities. And for that, I, I am immensely grateful. Uh, this is part and parcel of why I love Julie Hartman. I want everybody to understand that we weren't dumping on Harvard or the Ivy League. We were focusing on what could happen and the genius of what she just brought out of appreciation, because that is what makes a human being much more than a robot. Now, we're going to take a brief break because we love our sponsors and we urge you to patronize them. Be right back of this brief message. There is more Julie here. Be right back. Good day, everybody. Oh, something special for you. Amazing. Sometimes a great notion comes into the world and changes, causes a shift that benefits everyone. Isn't that wonderful? Everyone benefits. This time it's called Einstein Cares. That's right, like Albert Einstein. EinsteinCares.com. E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. C-A-R-E-S, EinsteinCares.com. Go there and sign up to be aware 
of when the site launches. Because guess what this site is all about? Its mission is to give $1 billion to charity without costing any giver a penny. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The mission is to give $1 billion to charity without costing any giver a penny. And it's based upon something everybody loves to do. Shop, have fun, give money at no cost. Go to EinsteinCares.com. That's EinsteinCares.com. And register now so that when the site launches, you will be amongst the first to know about it. So you can shop, earn money, and give money at no cost. What a wonderful world to even be thinking about these things. EinsteinCares.com. Do it today. You'll thank me. And you know you love thanking me. Best wishes. Bye now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings, and good-looking people. Maybe you're good-looking because you're always looking for finding the good. we got good in abundance, this amazing, wonderful, bountiful, beautiful, beloved being, Julie Hartman. You're too Where kind. <laughs> well, again, kind, keep inspiring noble deeds, what you do. Her own podcast, Timeless, is truly something you want to tune into, subscribe to, listen to. Uh, my acronym for timeless is the following. Time stands for thinking it's miraculous every day. Mm. And the LESS is living exuberantly stimulates success. Wow. 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 <laughs> Thank well, you. That well, is wow excellent. is also great, a great uh, acronym that stands for words of wonder, words of wisdom. So you are wow, wow. And we, and we love it. Uh, it's. <laughs> I'm so enjoying exploring this. Now, I'm going to ask you to speak about something that fascinates me. Sure. You're going to laugh at this. Uh, I think most women who know how to read at an early age read Jane Eyre. It is no, not. A you, book. I, I disagree, but but I'm glad you think that. <laughs> oh, I, I I'm hoping at least when I was growing up, women did, and I'm so glad that that's one of your favorite books. And I will also tell you, it's not something that that guys read. True. But that so why does Jane Eyre touch you? Well, I read it in high school, and I hated it. And at the risk of sounding too critical of education, though, as we know, educa <laughs> elite education needs criticism right now. Um, you know, it, an unfortunate thing is that a lot of AP English classes take out the love and the joy, as you say, of yes. reading. Because they force you to, you know, analyze the deeper, you know, sexual innuendos of the, it's like, oh my God, or like the, the, what, what this says about feminism or what this says about, it's, they reduce every great book to a social commentary. But part of what makes these books great is that they're actually not social commentaries. They're timeless. They're fun. They're fun and they're, they have eternal messages and values that transcend the time in which they were written. So anyway, I, that's just to say I read it in high school and I hated it. 
And now that I've graduated from college, I've kind of embarked on what I call my second education of rereading these great books and not having to worry if I don't understand everything and not having to look for every possible symbol to write an essay on, just reading it, enjoying it, and letting it seep into me and really touch my soul, as corny as that sounds. And Jane Eyre is a remarkable book. You're right that it's a bit of a chick flick. I don't think a lot of guys are are going to be reading it because it, <laughs> it's a lot of her. It's a Bildungsroman. It's a coming of age story about this girl. And the thing I love about it, I could go on and on, but I'll keep it quick, is that Jane is a protagonist who we can admire. A lot of the times in, in modern books and movies, it's kind of like cool for them to have this really flawed, unhinged protagonist who's doing everything wrong. And you know what? We need to see flawed characters. And Jane Eyre has a lot of flawed characters. But Jane, she's not perfect, but she's a deeply principled, faithful woman. And I love that we have someone in Jane who we can admire. And that book is Judeo-Christian values and a fiction book. I'll say that. And I'll let you read it and write to me when you know what I'm talking about and tell me that I was correct. <laughs> uh, anybody can write to me about anything at julie at julie-hartman.com. But I have to say, I will especially respond quickly if you write to me about Jane Eyre. And again, everything you want to know about Julie and all the aspects and how you can contact, just go to my website, barryshore.com. It's all there. Uh, I, I am especially happy what you just said, because <clears throat> in my humble opinion, there is nothing more wonderful about the United States of America. Again, it happens in some other countries and some for some other people. America, in my experience, is unique in that we truly, at least when I was growing up, and I'm hoping, I think it's still part and parcel, encourage people to read and to think. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, read and think. Matter of fact, uh, an amazing being, his name is Charlie Munger, just passed away recently. He was all of 99, almost just a few months short of 100. And he was uh, a wit and capable and had some insights. But he recently, I, I'm, I'm a big admirer of his for what he did in business, but more importantly, what he did in life and his family. And he mentioned that he and Warren Buffett read voraciously. They like to read and they like to think. And they didn't just read business books. He said, on the contrary, reading to expand the consciousness, to yes. look at principles, to be challenged. Jane Eyre, as you said, you know, you can read it now and, and understand a principled woman. Hello. Isn't that wonderful? You've used that word principle several times. And I think that is the bedrock of Julie Hartman. We're dealing with principles and how you work with them in providing benefit, not just for you, but in everybody that you touch and reach. Uh, I'm almost sorry to say this, but I have to, that our time together at this moment is coming to a close. However, I do have three questions for you, wonderful Julie. You ready? Sure. Okay. First question. Will you come back again? Of course. Woo! That was great. Okay. Second question. You have only 80 seconds to answer this one. Julie Hartman, what is your most fervent desire? Ooh, to have a loving, rich family life. 
I am a very ambitious person. I certainly want my talk show to do well. I want to be a talk show host. But the thing that I most desire in life is a great marriage and lovely children and grandchildren and just, again, a rich, rich family life. Well, you just filled me with more <laughs> joy. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Third, and, and light, and, and light. You really bring light with you. Uh, and the third question is, may I give you a hug in front of 300 now and 372,820 people around the world? Let me tell you what hug stands for. Ready? Hug stands for heartfelt, unlimited giving. I just opened my arms. I was like, okay. I don't know how we're going to do this on Zoom, but we're here doing we are. it for the whole world. Ready? One, two, three. She leans in. She's wonderful. Never, I hugged my computer. Lucky computer. <laughs> You're listening to The Joy of Living with your humble host, Barry Shore, and our amazing guest, Julie Hartman. And what have we been talking about? We're talking about the three fundamentals of life, because you know when you use these, you'll be happier, healthier, and wealthier. What are they? Life. Your life has purpose, as we've been discussing today, principled and purposeful. When you live a purpose-driven life, you go mad, and mad stands for make a difference in the world. The third principle, the fundamental, is to unlock the power and the sequence of everyday words and terms, www. What a wonderful world. And smile, seeing miracles in life every day. Or as my eight-year-old niece says, seeing miracles in everyday life. Create the kind of world you want to live in, like Julie is doing. Causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. That shift in your perspective, just a small shift, makes all the difference. Get in the arena. And then what can happen is you will use, internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life the six most important words you get to have. And what are they? Choice, as she has done, not chance, determines your destiny. How you choose to respond in any given situation will show you your path and your trajectory. And of course, use four-letter words. But remember, the four-letter words we use in the positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant world are love, life, hope, free, gift, pray, swim, Polo <laughs> and F U double capital N capital N. So after the show, you see your family and friends. You want to point your finger and say to everybody, F U everybody capital N capital N. So where'd you get that? It's a Barry Shore, the joy of living. He had a Julie Harper and he wants to teach the world to F U capital N capital N. And we have a blessing from Julie and Barry. And that blessing is go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Wonderful, Julie, don't go away. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Joy of Living podcast. Now that's another step towards your healthier, happier, and wealthier life. Never hesitate to do good in the world, no matter what the situation. Join us for another upbeat discussion next time at BarryShore.com. And be sure to leave a rating and subscribe to the show to get more conversations like this. And remember to share it with your family and friends too. See you on the next episode.